views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of our respective employers and its employees or Southern New Hampshire University. Welcome to Off the Rails, an under-the-radar podcast with an informal discussion of InfoSec and STEM-related topics. I'm your host, Brandon Rickman. With me are my co-hosts, Matt, Gina, and Liam. Off the Rails is an informal educational look into the areas of InfoSec, cybersecurity, IT, and STEM from the perspective of three guys and a chick with off-the-rail interviews, discussions, and new ideas. So sit down, strap in, and let's go for a ride. Welcome, welcome. Guys, it has been forever. Way too long. Too long, for sure. What's up? Hey, hey, hey. So, Matt, welcome back. Gina, welcome back. Liam, definitely welcome back. Brandon, welcome back. Brandon, welcome back. So, where are we at now? It's a lot to talk about. I guess we, we've got the Facebook up and running. We're on the Twitter now. Got two episodes in, working on our third one. Matt, what's the, the newest thing that we got going on? Which one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, like you said, we got the... Uh... We got, we got the, the, we're active on Twitter now and Facebook. We got somebody on the Facebook account now and we got the website up. Huh? Oh huh? yeah. That's, yeah. We got the website up and running. Website's going to be off the rails pod.github.io. That's off the rails with an S pod.github.io. Matt. Gina, I know you were busy, so you didn't get to jump in. Not yet. Probably wanted to, but it's available. We're also on GitHub, as you can tell. So we kind of left it open for suggestions and, and help. Um, we used a template, but we got it changed up pretty good for us. And we can only go further from there. You can listen to the podcast directly from the website. Links to our personal Facebook, Twitter accounts. We finally got Liam to to move into the modern era and be in the social <laughs> gathering we call social engineering. Oh, sorry, wrong class. My bad. What, what is this Facebook thing you have me on? It's scary. Hey, I told you you could get Twitter, but you chose not to. It's common. I'll get there. <laughs> oh, and he's on GitHub, guys. It's not a lot of repositories, but he's he's on GitHub. Yeah, it has just as many entries as my Facebook does. <laughs> <laughs> what what were you saying, Matt? I was saying it looks it looked like he was starting to put up some crypto stuff, but got interrupted. Probably forgot the key. <laughs> <And I'm ching>! <laughs> <laughs> On the website, we're going to have some news articles posted. Uh, we'll try and keep those weekly. Maybe might be a little bit longer at first. 
Um, we still have each section for cybersecurity, infosec, uh, IT, and STEM, so we didn't forget about anybody. We got everybody in there. Just kind of bring up an article on each one of those, try and keep that up to date. We've got bios of each one of the teams, team members with a photo. Got a beautiful photo of Liam there. Oh yeah. This beautiful face. Can't get away from that ghost in the machine. <laughs> we captured it. I love that picture. <laughs> we uh we've got links to blogs and it's basically gonna be our own GitHub pages and the shows page. But we're gonna try and work on some stuff in that possibly look at doing some interactive I don't know, maybe some coding lessons or different things, tools that we might come across that we want to kind of showcase, but we now have the platform to do that. Uh, we've got a link to the contact, and Matt did pretty awesome on getting an email server exchange going for us and made that work out pretty well. Yay. <laughs> so they should, they should check out the website. Yeah, they should just, you know, go see what's all there. Yeah, I was just looking at it. you. Got some news articles up there. I thought you've made a lot of changes since I was last over. Uh, I've kind of been working cool. a little late into the night. You got me started on that GitHub stuff, but remember, get pull, get pull. That's all you just always. always before you even start, get pull. Always. Good, good advice. <laughs> a few uh, hashtag lessons learned there. But I, I'm excited because just in working on this website, I learned Git, well, GitHub, and kind of how to put things together, which I collaborated with Matt while we were getting it set up. Oh, my God. It plays our intro. <laughs> that is awesome. Right now. <laughs> that is that awesome. Is... Go check out the team page. Check out the what page? The team page. Meet the team. Nice work, Brandon. Nice work. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I've missed. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, he found it. <laughs> found it. He found it. All right. So while these guys are checking out our homepage, we also have a contest going on. We're trying to make a logo uh, to define Off the Rails podcast. So we're reaching out to anybody who has creative and artistic ability uh, to come up with something and submit it. And uh, eventually, when we get all of the submissions, we will take a vote and uh, decide on something. And you will then, if you are picked, uh, be an official part of our podcast with uh, credit given to the artist. And um, pretty much your logo will be slathered everywhere that off the rails will be. We have till I think it's the 31st we're going to put out. So January 31st at 11.59 Central Standard Time. So right before midnight on February 1st, submit any, any logo ideas that you come up with, not just the words. We want to actually see images. Um, submit them to off the rails connect at gmail.com. We uh, actually are going to put them up on the Slack channel after we kind of narrow things down and and uh, we've got a couple of Slack channels for cybersecurity and, and the SNH coders. We're going to put them up there for the community to vote. And then we'll take, take a few out of the top of that and kind of narrow it down even further. 
We do accept bribes. <laughs> we do not accept. Liam accepts bribes. Liam accepts bribes. <laughs> so I guess for the winner, again, you do get rec name recognition. You will have, you know, we, we, we've, we've got to use the rights to have the rights to the, all that legal stuff to the logo. But we are planning on putting this on a t-shirt, right, Gina? Yeah. Uh, we want to get some swag made up. So there'll be t-shirts, possibly decals. And uh, t-shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, <laughs> pretty much anything you can imagine, we can have printed up. So as soon as we get that kind of going with the first round, you will not have to pay for that if you are the one who is picked. You will, you will get a free t-shirt courtesy of the cast here at Off the Rails. I feel like I've missed a lot in the week I've been gone. See what happens when you go off the grid, Liam? <laughs> yes. He ghosted us. So we showed him. <laughs> yeah, last I knew there was no website. And it, today it there is. It came together really fast. Brandon like jumped on it and it materialized in a matter of days. It was amazing. Yeah, it is looking very nice. Well, thank you. One other thing I want to uh draw attention to is uh uh Master Hacker, who's a member of the uh, cybersecurity Slack is uh, has been doing on Friday evenings uh, some uh, over the wire uh, war game website walkthroughs uh, of the challenges over there, uh, doing some uh, Linux hacking and uh, learning uh, Linux console commands, that sort of thing. Uh, I want to invite everybody to come over and take a look at that because it's uh, it's been it's been fun. And informational. If you're new to Linux, check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because yeah, um, he's been really going through the, the different levels of that. And I, I have done some of the Bandit. I don't know if you have as well, but uh, Bandit's the lowest one you can start on. And that's kind of actually where I learned Linux code and, or to code in, you know, command line. It's definitely going to be a pretty cool channel to follow. So check them out. Absolutely. I have worked through some of those as well. And there's, there's a whole... Uh, bunch of other series as well that he he plans on on doing more than just the the bandit series so uh, i believe in i believe the next one he wants to do sorry my dog is in the background there Puppy. I, believe, <laughs> I think the next one he wants to do is the natas series which is web application exploitation so if you're interested in that at all uh that's coming up cool last time i heard about that too that also was in the planning stages you, you'd think i was gone a lot longer than a week <laughs> It felt, See, like a it felt like honestly we thought we were gone for over two weeks and then i <laughs> i went back and looked and saw one of our conversations it was just the new year i'm like okay i guess it hasn't been that long <laughs> it sure felt like a long time <laughs> well, i got back to terry and i guess he went through snoo and tracked down my cell phone signed up getting text messages from him i guess two days ago and <laughs> Well, and, and that was our bad and my bad. I'm going to take full credit of that. I meant to make sure that we all had each other's phone numbers. Me and Matt had exchanged. Then me and Gina had exchanged numbers. But now you are you were gone at that time, and I couldn't exchange your number, but we needed your number. Yeah. Well, it, it's all Liam's fault. If he would have just put his contact info in, in the spreadsheet for the, the cyber coders, the snoo coders uh, swag, I could have easily gotten a hold of him. Blame the cat. 
I did several times. <laughs> you did actually. I do remember that. We, we we actually thought the cat nixed you off there. Yeah, I just figured I've got lots of time off. Uh, you know, it'll take two days, back up all the computers, and on day two, reinstall everything. Except lots of people decide to show up on installation day, so it's been bare metal computers for a long time. <laughs> day two ended up being day seven. Yes. <laughs> I logged so into. Glad you're back. Yeah, finally got my email program up and running today. That's around fifteen thousand email messages I had to go through. Well, oh that goes back gosh. to the smartphone. If you would have one, you would have been able to check your email the whole time. Oh, I have it. I have my smartphone, but there is absolutely nothing sensitive on it. It's not connected to. So if I lose it, no big deal. So you can take That's the desktop. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, DEFCON, I've got to get a whole new drop phone. Not even, mine's staying at home. I've already Same. heard, not even getting it near the airport. <laughs> Let's take a moment now to look at a few news headlines. So, Icepick three-piece malware strain steals device IPs. Article by Casey Zurichs on infosecurity-magazine.com. Um, according to this, Icepick 3PC has impacted a range of businesses from publishers to e-commerce. Uh, the malware strain was first identified in spring of 2018, and it is able to steal IP, IPs in mass. Uh, during January 2019 blog post, uh, researchers explained that the website's third-party tools are designed to incorporate interactive web content, such as animations via HTML5, and are loaded onto client platforms by self-service agencies. Icepick 3 executes after malware writers successfully hijack a website's third-party tools. The malware conducts, an un conducts the usual checks on user agent device type, whether the device is an Android device, battery level, device motion, or orientation and refer, according to the blog. Um, before it downloads, the malware is able to examine the device of those users who visit the website with a compromised third-party library. It extracts the IP address from them. It doesn't say in the article what, if any, exploits have been used from it or any attacks have actually been used from it. Uh, it enables the bad actors to identify users' device vulnerabilities and leaves the devices wide open for exploit targeting and future attacks. So that's what I was kind of thinking. That they haven't really, they've only identified it and don't know if anybody's actually done anything with the information yet. Um, but it's running off of basically a JavaScript and HTML5 tools. And that is your InfoSec news. Well, that is the good news, though, because I like it when we catch the stuff before we know it's actually been used. Get it before it's a zero day. Ha! Only hackers get that information, right? Ah. The problem with that, though, even on this, is, yeah, they're learning the vulnerabilities of the devices, and they're capturing the IP, but what are we really talking? What are, what are they, what could they do with it? I mean, that's what part of our jobs are going to be in cybersecurity is, okay, they have the information, but did they just, yay, I built this code or I built this 
program this malware that does this, and I've got all these IP addresses. And then they just sell them off or they just get rid of them, hold them off off to the side. Well, what can that, what, what is the attack? What do you do with that information? I don't know, that is breaking through a VPN. That's going to affect privacy. That's going to affect privacy. I mean, if, if it can break through VPNs to find the IPs from it, you know, that, that's going to affect whistleblowers. It's going to affect journalists. It's going to affect anyone that's trying to keep themselves anonymous or, you know, that's got a lot of potential. And I mean, I would agree. I was just kind of opposing that. It, it's got some, just alone the devices, if you were if you were an undercover agent or even just a federal agent that had a, a, a government phone, now I have access to your phone. And if it's an iPhone and someone else writes a malware that starts taking certain information from iPhone 10s or something and finds an exploit that way, well, now I have access back into yours and then now I've created a new backdoor now I can start spoofing you. I can start just reading your emails, cloning your phone. It, it does have some pretty extreme. Ah, you're going a little too far. Apple has no malware. Oh, I forgot <laughs> about that. That's true. That should have switched. I'm just on this slow Android phone. The way I'm understanding this is, is uh, the danger seems to be that this, this malware infects websites and then scans the devices that are visiting the website. So it's collecting IPs of people that are visiting the infected websites, uh, and being able to break through a VPN means not only do they know your real IP address, but they can scan your machine for vulnerabilities and then infect you with something. But right. And when I say you, I mean the thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of viewers of, of that website. So you could build up the potential to build up a botnet extremely quickly is, is a big possibility to do whatever, to do denial of service attacks, uh, distributed denial of service attacks, uh, credential stuffing attacks. Corporate espionage. There you go. True. Yeah, that's actually a big one. So something to watch out for. They just found it in spring of 2018 and, They've kind of analyzed it already now in January. Hopefully some of these people have already been notified and have secured their their websites a little bit. So I'm taking a look at uh, a CES 2019 product, the Argon Transform uh, accessories that make any bike helmet um, a smart helmet uh, without much work at all. Uh, so this was a product that, as I said, was revealed at CES 2019, and it's a set of two cameras. One attaches to the back of a standard uh, bike helmet, one attaches to the front, and then there's also uh, a viewer module that attaches to the front of, of any helmet uh, that will allow you to see uh, GPS maps uh, or the feeds from the rear camera uh, right, right in the viewer piece. And this is available for $600 US, $680 US, excuse me, uh, which is, according to the article, much cheaper than any other integrated smart helmet on the market. Any comments on that? That looks pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it, it does. The Scully helmet they mentioned in the art article, yeah, it 
it's a nice helmet and it's completely integrated, but it's not feasible for most people to go out and buy. And this, you already have the helmet. That's just, this is it basically making, taking a need and making a resource for it. Oh man. I, I haven't even heard of the Scully helmet before, but I was just looking on their website. It looks like it retails for 1899. Wow. So this is three times less. Yeah. Yep. That's quite a significant price difference there. Looks like a good Christmas plan for next year. If anybody's got a motorcycle, needs a needs a forward facing or rear facing camera. There you ah. go. Stream your Netflix while you ride. <laughs> <laughs> we can make jokes, but for them to have the ability to see some of this stuff, because we all know that you, there's been times that you may not have even known motorcycle was there. Or there are drivers that just seem clueless and just seem to not pay attention. And it's not like you can rear end a motorcycle and, oh, it's a fender bender and nothing happens. When you rear end a motorcycle, they, you hit their tire. They kind of fall at that point. A safety aspect that would be worth adding to anybody's uh, equipment if they, if they ride motorcycles. I struggle to see that flying with the Harley crowd, though. Yeah, well, it, probably not, because they don't typically wear full face shields, and this is featured on a, the chin part of a full face shield. Yeah, well, like here in Pennsylvania, there's no helmet law. In that, too. So, to, like the Harley crowd, oh, so many of them, no helmets. Russian roulette every time you get on a bike without a helmet. Oh, you're rolling the dice. You're, you're hoping that, and it doesn't matter how good of a rider you are, you, you can't control that person texting that drifts into your lane. And I know a guy that ended up getting hit because someone was pulling out of the driveway and didn't check for people coming down. Got to be safe. Got to pay attention. Can't Absolutely. stop it all, but share the road. Got an article here from Esther Shine at Cybersecurity Hub just detailing the incident of the week. Federal government discloses another breach yet again, this time with NASA. It got revealed that the breach was discovered October 23rd, and it goes back to as far as July 2006. This isn't the first time NASA's been breached, but this isn't the first time the federal government's been breached either. It's not going to be the last. But so it affects people who have been hired, fired, changed departments, everything. <clears throat> I'm not sure. It didn't if it was like a HR site for NASA, if I remember correctly. It didn't say specifically in the article here, but it doesn't affect any emissions or anything. It's just an HR related hack. I have no idea how many people it's affected at this point. They'll of course get the standard free ID services for i guess a year oh it doesn't say specifically here either uh the one the government hacks i've been in have been a year except for the fingerprint one i could say 10 years yeah it's not, not a whole lot to it. it's a short article and it says that yes nasa's got long-standing it management weaknesses so this probably is not the last one either so something that's kind of interesting on this to me is NASA now is running on the cloud, not completely, but a lot of their stuff is. And so this apparently happened to one of NASA's servers, not Amazon. Correct. So that's, 
that's kind of interesting. I wonder if that's a new way for the Amazon cloud security guys to be like, hey, guys, we can fix that for you. Well, I think they're... Well, I don't know. Now with the mad dog quitting, because he was working pretty close with NASA or uh, with Amazon to get the whole DoD switched over with him gone. Oh, really? Well, I had not heard that. Well, he wrote up the uh, requirements for cloud providers. We have to have, I don't remember the specific details of it, but you have to have, say, I'm making numbers up, say 500 miles between data centers. You have to have X amount of floor space. You have to have enough restrictions. I mean, it all makes logical sense, but Amazon was the only one that could actually provide it. Wow. When you're talking like a $9 billion contract. and Is that through their, their GovCloud service I heard about recently? I'm not familiar with that one in particular. I haven't. I have not heard that. Um, that's something I'm. I will be looking into as well, because um, this is a great time to mention the uh, AWS Educate for any of y'all out there. Um, go check it out if you're in school. You kind of want to learn about the cloud. You can get certified through Amazon. Um, you can even do it on your phone by downloading an application. Um, but you you just go through some videos, watch videos, take some quiz, kind of, you can actually go into the uh, console and do some tutorials. It'll link you to some of those so you can learn how to start up an EC2 instance, set up a S3 socket. Um, it's It's got several pathways depending on which way you want to go, but definitely worth checking out. That's AWS Educate. Yeah, isn't it uh, free with a university email? As well, I believe so. And they gave me a $40 credit when I signed up with my email. Oh, nice. Definitely check your email after you send it because. So, is it just the education or does the, can you get the certification as well through that or is that going to be a separate fee? I've got this. Uh, so, the first one I took was Cloud Computing 101. I have a certification that says Cloud Computing 101. I don't okay. know. I mean, it's through Amazon. So, I would put it on my resume anyway because if you're asking me about Amazon, well, who certified this? My Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's... Same, that's uh... Sweet. But definitely worth checking out, even if you just want to learn more about cloud, the cloud in general, setting up a cloud, what it can do, if it would work for your business. It, some of the cybersecurity path that I've been started on, the built-in features that no matter if it's NASA, DOD, or Joe's Crab Shack around the corner, they can all have access to this, the cybersecurity, and it can be as hands-off or as hands-on as you want. So is there a link to that on the site? No, but there will be in the show notes. So definitely check out the website. It'll be in the show notes, and we'll get that posted up there for you. AmazonEducate.com, or I'm, I'm correction, AWSEducate.com. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, so there was a study done in Sweden, patients who have TS. So after writing down uh, a memory of 
traumatic experience on paper without verbally saying what it was. They tore it up and then played Tetris for about 25 minutes on a tablet. And they were uh, evaluated and watched uh, for the following week. And it showed that uh, when they played the Tetris, it actually helped to decrease the number of flashbacks that remained uh, that they continued to get re uh, regarding these specific scenarios and instances and situations. Um, so the whole idea started when uh, about 10 years ago, it says that uh, when people would watch horror films in healthy people, uh, and then shortly after watching these horror films, they played Tetris. Uh, it showed that they would not have nightmares after watching the horror movies. So that was the basis for trying the Tetris with the PTSD. Um, so the, in the end, the, the patients that were studied ended up with fewer flashbacks of these uh, terrifying situations that they had encountered. And uh, more studies and research is going to continue. But the, the point was that there are many people who suffer from PTSD and for whatever reason, or um, even just a lack of pro uh, certified professionals that are available to, uh, to these people uh, are sometimes uh, few and far between or not immediately available. So the, the point of the study was to try to come up with something that could help them get through uh, a time uh, dealing with their PTSD until they could seek out the necessary help that they needed. Definitely an interesting article. Um, great way that shows IT, uh, gaming, where everything's always bad about gaming. You ruin your eyesight getting too close, so you can't play that for hours on end. But this is a simple game, Tetris, that, golly, when was it even started? It's been around for a while, and this is a cool way to take it and use it to help people that, that really need help that may not want to reach out or don't know how to reach out. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I do too. Or as Gina said, don't have uh, a qualified professional available. Right. That's, that's awesome. Uh, it's based on like, you get the thing in your mind and you know, you're, you're reprogramming your brain. You get that fresh in your mind and you start playing the Tetris. So instead of going through with the vision, now you're, I mean, Tetris, it's fun. It's simple. It's, brain intensive it's true yeah so you you're, re you're reassociating what you were visualizing into the brain processes that go with playing tetris uh, it's rather pavlovian but it's no if it works it works it's pretty cool uh, there's a lot of science that still hasn't been figured out about the brain but i think if we could work towards it uh, this is cool that they're using some form of you know iot or even just internet technology games programming <laughs> games just to hand eye coordination math skills why not it's not all bad except now i can't get the tetris theme song out of my head <laughs> <laughs> it's not all bad dad games are good for you and for those of you out there who don't have the time to sit and play Tetris for hours on, and there is a game called Tetris Blitz that I play on a daily basis that limits the games to about two minutes. 
so you can quickly get through a game without having to spend hours, even though I sometimes spend hours playing two minutes. <laughs> said, said two minute games. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Actually, when I was a kid, my vision has always been like excessively, excessively poor. And so when I first started wearing glasses, I was very young, and the doctors told my parents to help me get hand-eye coordination since I had none. They suggested I start playing computer games with a joystick. And that was the doctor's orders. Love it. That is awesome. You're the only kid in America that had that prescription. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that actually got told to me, too, when I, had, when I found out I had an astigmatism. Because it, it's the curvature of the eye. It's not completely spherical. It's more of an uh, oval or football shape. Yep. And, and when um, they put me in the corrective lenses to, to do that, that's the, they said that uh, an, <laughs> they did limit me. They told my mom that a limited amount of gaming, of playing video games and stuff is perfectly fine. So they would actually help with anti hand-eye coordination and get used to the glasses and help train, help to train the eye faster. Wow. That was an excuse for my parents to buy an Atari 2600. (laughs) He so just stated himself. (laughs) He so just stated himself. Okay, kids. So before there was your phone, there was this box. Well, okay, let's Let's step back further. Before the TV was smart, right, we got to go further than that. Dude, if you, if you don't know Atari, you will Just never Google be it. cool. It's that simple. Before the That's Nintendo true. GameCube, which was out when you were probably a baby. Oh, Gina, Gina, you jumped in. Before the original, okay, before, yes. Before the... Oh, I can't even... What is Nintendo even made? Okay, before PlayStation 4, there was PlayStation 3. PlayStation 2. Two. Okay, PlayStation didn't exist at any point in time when either one of these games were up and running. In fact, Sony didn't know what they were doing. 1977. <laughs> Atari 2600 <laughs> came to the market. Uh, did we just turn this into a gamer show? Sonic. Yeah. And that's a game. I think we just turned in <laughs> oh, no. a whole new genre. No, no, no. Did we just hit copyright? Yeah, right. maybe. Might have to bleep that one. Might have to bleep that one. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, my bad. My apologies. No worries. No, Just adding cool. extra bleeps in. <laughs> Liam, oh, oh. it'll sound like bleep, bleep, but bleep, but, but bleep. Yeah. <laughs> Atari 2600. <laughs> <Bleep>. <laughs> oh, you know what I'll do? I'll, get a, I'll make a robot voice just for that, that entry. Atari awesome. equivalent to oh Pong. There we go. There you go, Liam. <laughs> that game is. To, hey, I'm actually writing using a uh, YouTube tutorial to write a Java code packet for a Pong game. Nice, awesome. So, I like to see that when you're done. Cool. I'm sorry. I had no. I already have Pong. It's in Python. This is Brick Breaker that I'm doing. Oh, still. I, I think it'd be fun. I'm gonna. I'll put it. It'll be up on my uh, GitHub when I'm done. Awesome. We need to get the video of, of Pong. Just like you know the thing going the the bouncing Poop on the. 
Yeah, so people know what it is. Boop. All right, I'm going to throw one out there. Nokia cell phone snake. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love snake. Messaging. I know, right? I think you can still play that in Google. Well, it's just Centipede if you want to go back to the Atari. Oh, it was Snake back then, too. She brought it even further back. (laughs) I played Snake on the Atari. Okay, my first gaming system was the Nintendo uh, NES. Nintendo DS? No, no. (laughs) Nintendo NES. The original Nintendo. That was the first one I got, but we had an Atari and... Oh, shoot, what was that computer? We never owned an Atari 2600. We were, we were too broke. Yeah, but, same uh, here. So, yeah, our our first, our first uh, gaming system was the NES. But we started off with a Commodore VIC 20 computer, and that's what I learned to program. <sighs> oh wow! I never got a 120. I always had a 64. Oh, I I didn't even have a 64. Man, I had to go to friend's house to get on the 64. <laughs> the the VIC 20. Was before the '64. <laughs> okay, I, uh, I, as a kid, I never understood what the differences were between the two. The the Vic, well, the '64 had 64 kilobytes of RAM, right? And the Vic 20 had way less. I, okay. I don't remember much, but I remember uh, the first computer we had was a Texas Instrument uh, TI something or other. So I remember we were playing all those old Scott Adams text adventure games, but they're all oh, in cassette. Nice. So you'd put, you'd put the cassette in the cassette drive, and you'd have to pay right. a lot of attention to the counters, because to go from one room to the next, it would have to load, and you'd have to fast forward or rewind to get to the correct counter where the stuff... Oh, <laughs> you're kidding me. It couldn't even load the whole game into memory. No. Wow. And all of Scott Adams' games are freeware now on his site. And they're yeah. like 2K. <laughs> they're like 2K, right. 3K. Right, right. So it, had, yeah. it had... Uh... And it made just as the... Those tape drives, if you'd play them and all, they'd make the same... Well, not the same noise, but all that... Remember the old modem screeches? Oh, I do. Tape drives had their own screeches. Yeah, our Vic Twenty had a tape drive as well. Nice. At first, so yeah. I'm trying to see how much memory I know it had. It had five K, five kilobytes of RAM, but only three and a half kilobytes were available to user space. The rest of it was was taken up by the the kernel, the OS kernel. That's a beast of a machine there. Oh yeah. You better watch it, it. It could do color. It could do 16 colors. Wow. Heck yeah, man. Montezuma's Revenge. Heck yeah. That was, that was back when the, our Apple IIs at school were green monochrome, screen, monochrome screens. So. Now, I remember those. Yeah. It was not an Apple. It was a Macintosh. Uh-uh. Apple II. For wow. me, it was an Apple II in the classroom. And I don't remember. They did, my school didn't even have a computer lab. Like they had to like wheel the computer around to different classrooms. <laughs> yep, yep. It would go to this classroom for a week, yep. and then it would go to the next classroom for a week. Yeah, 
And if you got all your work done ahead of time, you could go play Zork or Oregon Trail. Oregon Trail. There you go. Yep. On the app. Uh, where in the world oh. is Carmen San Diego? I remember yeah. in our computer lab in elementary school. Do you remember Logo? Yes. Logo, the little turtle? Yeah, the turtle with the yeah. pen that would draw oh. on the floor. And that was yeah. like the bomb. Right on. I mean, that was like super high tech, man. <laughs> yep. All right, guys. Oh, let's man. let's at least wrap up the recording. Wait, I think I figured it out. It was an Odyssey, I think. Oh, are you serious? But it doesn't look like. All I remember it it looked like a typewriter that you you stuck a cartridge in. Was it a TI ninety nine? I don't know. Magnavox Odyssey. Maybe. Magnavox. I haven't heard that name in forever. Yeah, mm. it could have been. Because Atari also had a system that was kind of like that. That yeah. looked like the kind of looks like it. I, I just want to hook up to the TV. Yeah, they pretty much all did back then. My dad's an electrician, so he had the. We had both the Atari and the Odyssey connected to the TV, and there were like two different switches that I knew how to flip. If they weren't working, like if one wasn't, if I wanted one to play and the other one wasn't where, you know, whatever. I just kept flipping switches till it showed up on the TV. Oh, you were so lucky. Excellent. Yeah. We had to disconnect <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And plug in the next one. That was before you could go to Radio Shack for your PS and get a splitter cable for your RCAs so you can hook them up so you get that video channel in there on both because the audio, you know, you just connect everything to one audio port and then you get a get the newer TV and oh. it had two sets of RCA channels. <laughs> yeah, I know. Two. Okay, so it must have been the Odyssey too. Oh we, so we might have to explain what Radio Shack is too for the listeners. Oh, <laughs> right. Wow. Yeah, it was the Odyssey too. Odyssey too. Oh cool. Okay, think of Amazon's electronic section. All the little part. No, I can't even say that. They were in every mall across all the United States. <laughs> it's one place you always want to stop. You had to go into Radio Shack. And the, what, either KB Toys or the, the toy store, whichever one it was. Those are the two places at the mall. And if you're with your grandmother, you were going to go to either Dillard's, JCPenney, or Sears. <laughs> Woolworths. Software <Okay>. Boutique. <laughs> you guys remember that one? FYE. Yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> Actually, FYE is still around. They just don't sell music anymore. Oh, last time I was... I haven't been there in a while. Uh-uh. You'd always have to go get... You'd have to go get a CD... Okay, that so before they had iP man. So the iPod came out and that kind of stopped the CD. You would take CDs and burn them onto your computer and then put them on your iPod to listen to while you walk around. Mixtape. Hey, do you remember when they actually used to carry the big boom boxes on shoulders that were powered by D cell batteries? That was before <laughs> my time. But I do many D cell batteries. Before your time, really? No, it was. 
I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a part of that, but I did have my Walkman. I do remember my favorite song coming on the radio. Was it a Walkman two. CD or was it a Walkman cassette? Cassette. First it was the cassette, and then ah, but, okay. but you would the yellow one too. You get ready, <laughs> and you press the red button and the and the other one at the same time. Right as the song started, you always had to listen to that very first part of the DJ say. And next up, and 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 hope you you guessed right which song they were going to play, so you could get it from the very beginning instead of missing the first twenty seconds while you're scrambling to get it to record. Exactly. Or you didn't press the button down all the way, and you to, yeah, <laughs> that's us. Uh, we don't need that intro. Y'all are old. Wait till you have to flip the side B. Oh, <laughs> and then in the middle of the song, <laughs> rewind it manually with a pencil. Uh huh. Oh. <laughs> yep, y'all are too old for me. Yeah. Okay, you're the one that brought up an Atari 26. Sorry. <laughs> uh.